0: Hi, and welcome to Reloscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights, informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm Marie Stella, your host from Melbourne, Australia. Let's start the show. Welcome back to the show. Trust and communication are the unsung heroes of any successful relationship, but they aren't things that you can just sprinkle on your partnership like hundreds and thousands on fairy bread. It's a science. It takes time. It takes effort. Enter couple rituals and we have got just the person to help us understand how to use couple rituals to nurture that trust and get our communication channels humming like a well-oiled machine. In the studio with us today is counsellor Ruhi Ahmad from Connect With Counselling, and we're picking a brain to uncover those rituals for couples to reiterate over time, and this could be useful whether you're in the honeymoon phase or looking for a little relationship CPR. Hi Ruhi, lovely having you here. How are you going today?
1: Hi Marie, thank you for having me. I'm going well.
0: That's amazing. All right, I love to get to know you um, and in your line of work. Mm -hmm. What's the most common problem that couples come to you with?
1: It's interesting that you ask that because uh, what I have noticed when couples come in, the most common thing that they bring up is communications. And uh, they say that we have communication issues and we are not talking well. Sometimes they have an idea what's going wrong. Mm And sometimes they don't know so they would be like you know we are having conflicts Mm -hmm. and uh, when i break that down i notice that yes there's probably not spending time enough and they are missing that connection yeah i do notice that that's um one of the bigger problems in a lot of
0: my past relationships as well and that's a great introduction to our topic today Uh, but before we get further into detail we'd like to get to know you better this is have you met Ruhi
1: Ahmed so what do you like to do in your spare time I would say I love to read but (laughs) what I often find is I'm so tired and it becomes a bit tricky so I would watch some TV go for a walk I like to uh, jog a little bit mm. or write my thoughts. Yeah, that's completely fair. I feel like reading books
0: can be really, really tiring. It's more tiring than people make <laughs> it out to be, okay? Uh, but
1: what are some of your favorite books? um there are lots actually I, use, I read a lot of nonfiction. um you know so anything on psychology sociology philosophy now you're getting the drift why i yes. find it a bit heavy <laughs> i do the work and then i come back but i'm reading uh, books on uh, couples and uh, a few modalities mm-hmm. all work related mm-hmm.
0: do you mm-hmm. have a favorite at the moment
1: I'm reading a book on uh, emotion-focused couples therapy. Mm -hmm. So I would say, yeah, I'm really finding it interesting. It's by Dr. Sue Johnson, and I've done the training. So I'm just following up with that. And it's interesting how, you know, couples rituals and connections pan out in the book. And what's the biggest
0: takeaway you've learned so far from this book?
1: Uh, It's important to understand each other, I think, and uh, consciously slowing down and understanding that Underlying every action or thought process or issues there is, there are emotions that's that's there that we don't normally identify and we get down to it, it can change the relationship uh, mm-hmm. overall.
0: You said earlier that you enjoy watching films as well during your spare time. So do you have any favourites? <laughs>
1: I would. I, I watch a lot of uh, different genres. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, I used to enjoy a lot of psychological thrillers and dramas, mm-hmm. but now I think I'm just wanting some light comedy. Yeah. Uh, Twelve Angry Men is my all-time favorite. What is it about? It's how a thought process and a dialogue and conversation mm-hmm. can change everything. Mm-hmm. If you would have watched the movie, you would know how you know the jury. You know, one person doesn't agree, and they present a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Initially, there's hesitation and people are not on board. But when they start to listen to each other, they really try to see the perspective of a different side of the story. And that's taking perspective, which is so important in relationships.
0: That's really interesting. I love that a lot of the media that you consume has something to do with psychology as well. And do you end up psychologically analyzing these um, types of media? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Do you find that enjoyable as well? Yeah,
1: it is enjoyable. It's interesting you say that because there is psychology behind everything we do, you know, and relationships are very important. So we end up having that somewhere or the other. I wouldn't say I analyze, but I would say I learn a lot. Mm -hmm. That's really nice. Um, Is there a podcast that you listen to? I will not say anything specific, mm-hmm. but it depends on the day. Like if I'm listening to, you know, a topic on memory one day or maybe how to break down things and do a lot on meditation and mindfulness and, you know, how to soothe your brain because that's important and it's part of my de-stressing routine as well.
0: Yeah, uh, I imagine that that would really help to alleviate some of the like psycho psychological thriller that you enjoy watching, and then a little mindfulness soothing in there would be really, really good to break it up a bit. um
1: do you, is there someone that you look up to in life? I would say I look up to different characteristics of people. It doesn't matter, you know who they are. Mm-hmm. Growing up, definitely, I used to look up to people in my family and, you know, all the important figures and, you know, people who we know, you mm-hmm. know, well, famous personalities. But as I grew up, I started picking up traits and habits yeah, more than one person. That's a
0: really good way of putting it because uh, I think when I get asked this question personally, I find it very hard to answer because I look up to so many people in life for various reasons mm. um, and it's hard to pinpoint exactly one person. It also puts a lot of pressure on it this is. one person and <laughs> be like, hey, you're Think my role bad. model.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. Um, all right. Thank you so much for telling me a bit more about yourself. Uh, now we'll move into the interview section. And the first question that we like to ask our guests, because it can be different for different people. What is a relationship in your opinion how would you describe a relationship?
1: A relationship is a connection between two people. You know, the way they connect through uh, rituals, through uh, words, expressions, or, you know, they get pulled towards each other. And this is expressed through their uh, behaviors and the way they express through words. You can call it love. You can call it affection. It can become a friendship. It can be a relationship. Some relationships we are born into, like our parents. We don't choose those relationships, but we still inculcate the bond between with, with our parents, the parents sibling bond is inculcated and built within that relationship dynamic. And uh, we have a relationship with friends with the society we live in, and the world at large as well. So I personally believe that we are never without relationship. We're born into one. And when we leave this world, we were into some of the other relationship. Mm-hmm. That's a really good way of
0: putting it. Um, and so, in the context of a romantic relationship specifically, do you think that it still holds the same meaning, structure, and importance as decades ago?
1: That's a very interesting question, Marie. The Australian Institute of Family Studies, they published a report in July 2020 on relationships and how they've changed over time. What they've uh, identified is the growing trends uh, away from marriage and more towards cohabitation without the intention of marrying. So marriages are declining, but that doesn't mean relationships are. Mm -hmm. And uh, people are staying together more And having more relationships without, you know, wanting to uh, get married at the end. So it doesn't mean the commitment is changed. It's just that the institution of marriage may be changing its shape. Yeah. Yeah. And there's more acceptance of diversity in Australia. Mm -hmm. So there are different types of relationships that are being, uh, you know, inculcated and formed. And uh, the uh, inclination is also towards more finding love and passion. Initially, it was like, you know, we needed to have a suitability, suitable personalities, common backgrounds, and men can provide and women can take care of the household and take care of the kids. And that was enough. So companionship was what was important earlier. And now it's more, and then it became about friendship. If you're good friends, we can be, you know, our partners as well. Mm-hmm. And now we see that couples wouldn't settle for anything less than love and passion. Yeah, And I believe what I've seen in my work is uh, commonalities and, you know, having common backgrounds and common interests is still important. And people can find love even through diversity. So even if you're very different, there's still some commonalities that work. But definitely there's more need for love and being understood. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where you'll see that in the last few decades. As a society, we have seen that changing to now we wanting that we will settle for love, and I could be myself in a relationship. So yes, I will adjust and collaborate, but I also want my partner to do the same.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting that that reflects in the data as well. And you know, there are there's a wider variety now yeah. of types of relationships, like queer peer relationships or polyamorous relationships, and um, those types of relationships aren't any less valid than mm-hmm. stereotypical relationships. Um, it could mean the same amount of commitment, just mm-hmm. it looks different. Um, and that's really interesting to me. So um, now moving on to couple rituals, what are they and how do they look like? What do they look like? How do
1: they work? Now, what I will say to start with, I will quote a psychotherapist Esther Perel, who says that routines get us through the day. And rituals guide us through life. And I believe that, uh, you know, rituals are something that give a deeper meaning and a greater, you know, if you look at it from a philosophical uh, way, a guide to where we are going, what are we doing, why we are even doing what we are doing. Otherwise, life gets into like, you know, a routine in a different way, like we some more survival. Yeah. We get a job, get married, settle down, have kids and just repeat it. Mm-hmm. But when we have rituals, we consciously slow down and choose to connect and find meaning together as to why we are doing it and what's the sense behind this. And that keeps us connected and I would say grounded in what we are doing. Uh, doctors uh, uh, Julie and John Gottman, they're American psychologists, they've talked a lot about couples rituals and they talk about uh, rituals of gratitude in which how you can express gratitude to each other to you know avoid taking each other for granted and actually allow yourself to also recognize what my partner is doing for me. Mm -hmm. So rituals are important, uh, you know, activities of connection that keeps uh, couples together and gives them meaning to their relationship.
0: That's really interesting that you put it that way because I don't think I ever thought of couple rituals to be different from couple routines, Mm -hmm. I always thought them to be the same thing. But it does make a lot of sense that rituals are meant to like slow you down and give you a bit more room to think and appreciate um, what you have. Um, And so in that retrospect, what is the science behind how Couple rituals might reinforce the trust between couples.
1: I like the way you said science behind couple rituals, and there is a lot of uh, science, you know, neurologically. The way that our brain is modelled and the nervous, our nervous system is sued by connection. So when we are engaging in couple rituals, we are attaching, you know, partners attached to each other. And when they attach this bond of safety, it actually suits the nervous system as well. And it helps them go out in the world and do whatever they need to do. And when there is adversity or they're facing a challenge, this bond actually acts as a cushion, you know. And scientifically, when... We grow up as children, we attach with our parents, and the way our parents attach with us, it gives us a sense of uh, safety and it creates the relationship map for us and how relationships uh, feel safe and emotionally soothing. Mm-hmm. When we grow up in intimate uh, couple relationships, this attachment manifests. The way we will attach to a partner will be in the way that our parents attach to us, you know, and not that we are thinking of them as parents, but this attachment is. Um, you know in the same way it's manifesting but also it's a bit different because it's mutual so here both partners have to uh, you know soothe their uh, partners as well as get soothed as well so the attachment theory is john Bowlby's, and there's a lot of research on that but what it talks about is that we all need connection and when we are attaching, we are seeking a safe space for ourselves here the couple rituals actually help because we are consciously choosing of a partner to build that safety for us to soothe our nervous system, so that you know we are aware that we are safe and protected. Mm-hmm.
0: So, what are some examples of couple rituals that you've seen, um, specifically common ones, and also? peculiar ones I do really want to hear the peculiar ones
1: (laughs) I really love the way that you're putting the questions you know the common ones and the peculiar ones Uh, I was going into that but um, I'll start with the common ones we know that is spend some time together every day check in with each other you know send maybe love texts or smileys or love emoticons or that's we all know that but what is important is you connect right from getting up in the morning the way you greet your partner you know good morning love you know, it takes a fraction of a second, but you're turning toward uh, your partner. And this is what uh, the Gottmans have talked a lot, a lot about. So you've taken the time to really look at your partner and say, good morning, you know, or had did, did you sleep well? Whatever that is, it's very little and very small. Maybe having coffee or tea together you know and just talking about your uh daily plan or what it looks like take 10 minutes to sit down have breakfast if you have the time i know it's a bit of a bit chaotic when mm-hmm. you've got kids but even when you're doing these things the survival things the daily things you can still make eye contact look at each other and you know just generally just chit chat mm-hmm. you know and when you're going through the day you can just uh you know, connect and give a call sometimes. If you can't, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about hanging out, going to movies, all of those things. But if you're connecting through those activities, that will indicate that you are creating that space. Sometimes we're just watching parallelly or doing something, but not feeling it. It's important that what you feel doing the activity that you're doing mm-hmm. because that makes you feel soothed and connected. Mm-hmm. Some of the peculiar ones would be, <laughs> i would um taking your word there, a couple is free to create what they want to. They don't have to always do what they know. They can create one, you know. They can walk and talk uh, in the house and then say if one partner is feeling restless, can we walk and talk in the house? They can go for a walk and talk about things. Having some time together, you know, maybe doing something a hobby together at home that makes sense to them mm-hmm. some couples some some of my clients actually uh connect through organizing their pantry believe me oh, that's yeah. adorable yeah and they don't mind it they yeah. love it you mm-hmm. know initially there was conflict but they found their way mm-hmm. to make sense of it and they enjoyed the process and now cleaning for them has become enjoyable because they're doing it mindfully they're conscious of what they're doing i wouldn't say that you know that's all everyone needs to do that but what's important is that they're connecting Mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes when they are watching tv uh, movies you know they're talking about it what makes sense it's not they're just watching and oh we spend time what they're doing is they're choosing to talk about it Mm -hmm. what they thought of the characters what they thought of the storyline now while they are learning about the movie or you know having that fun time they're also learning about each other as to what makes sense to them what are my partner's values and a lot of that. So when you are consciously, mindfully engaging in any, uh, you know, ritual, it becomes yours, it becomes theirs. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's they own that, they don't have to. But it's important that you keep distractions away. Mm-hmm. Really listen to your partner, smile, hold their hands, make eye contact, really be kind. So you're, not only you are soothing your partner, you're soothing your own nervous system and yourself too.
0: Yeah, so what I'm hearing is that couple rituals aren't just, hanging out, it's different because you are mindfully there. You are making sure that your partner at that moment is the priority and you are keeping that in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that
1: correct? Yes, you've got that. Whatever we are doing, we are, (laughs) it felt like a bit of a pressure to you, Marie, but yes. So trust is a vital
0: Foundation for any healthy relationship. What does it look like on a day to day basis, and why is it so essential for couples to cultivate that
1: trust? Trust develops when partners start to feel emotionally safe with each other. So, at the beginning of the relationship, there's excitement and there's a lot of curiosity to know about each other. What are their interests in spending time? And it feels nice to connect, and you really are into it. So, there's less expectation, but there's more of fun and anticipation. Now, as couples settle into the relationship, then expectations start to surface. They've always been there that, you know, will be safe, relationally and emotionally, and they are, and because both of them are having fun and excited, when, uh, you know, that's a middle phase I would like to call. But once they start to, you know, once they've committed and getting into the rhythm of life uh, and they get more warmer, I would say, in the relationship, there's certain expectations. There's expectation that, you know, when I ask something, you will honor that. And when I expect, you will be there. Mm -hmm. And both the partners are expecting that. Now what happens is that uh, the trust is that if, if my partner's done something or not done something I wanted, then maybe they don't care for me. It's not that we are consciously thinking it's a very little subtle thing that just keeps adding. For example, if I've asked my partner to get groceries on the way, and they forgot once or twice, it's okay, I can understand, I'll feel sad. But if it happens on a regular basis, then it starts to feel like as if they don't care.
0: It's a pattern. It as
1: becomes explained. a pattern, right? Yeah. And it may be something else is completely going on with the partner. But what happens with the person who's feeling that, requesting that, and their partner is not honoring for whatever reason, it feels that there's less care and then it keeps adding or keeps chipping away from the trust and we are not thinking about it as trust but it feels like it becomes like a overall uh you know philosophical concept there very underlying as i was talking about emotionally it feels that if i ask my partner partner for something they may not do it because i'm not thinking that they didn't get groceries what i'm thinking is they didn't do what i ask so it's a little bit of that and it's an you know i believe that daily interactions form the building blocks of a relationship. So when these things are happening, and this is just an example, there are so many things that happen. We're not stopping to think and pause and deliberately, uh, you know, relate things back to trust. So automatically developing mm-hmm. through the connection I feel. And there's so many stresses. We interact with so much, uh, you know, so many people, we go out in different environments, all of those things can come in between couples and can impact their trust so that's where the couples ritual i keep coming back to that it's very important but you you know take the time to slow down and talk about things or do things to build that connection
0: and so what are some common myths or misconceptions about trust in romantic relationships and how couple rituals can help with trust
1: it's interesting you say that because there are the uh, one of the most common one that i see every day is If uh, I trust my partner, if we are in a relationship, my partner will never upset me, never make a mistake, never do something that will be hurtful. Whereas this is uh, impractical. You know, we all have our quirks and flaws. and We're all human. Yeah. yeah, I will make mistakes Mm -hmm. and I'll mess up. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's where if you are having a couple of rituals, you're getting the time to understand each other. You can be updated on things we do, but it's very difficult to keep track of how we are feeling about things, what's going on. Maybe it's a simple thing at work that makes me keep forgetting things. To my partner, is hurtful, and it does happen. It's happening simultaneously, but there's no time to talk about it, you know? And it feels like my partner will always do what I want and always keep me happy, but then it's not practical, and when we take the time to slow down, we realize that, yes, we they still love us with all their flaws and quirks, and the same is for the, uh, both of them. Together, so knowing that it's not about that, and taking the time to talk about it and say that, hey, I felt this when you said that. It's so very important. That's where taking perspective Mm -hmm. come in, where you try to understand each other and say what you felt. Because giving feedback is important too. If you don't let them, uh, you know, share what you're feeling, then you're holding it, and that may cause resentment. That's from from the you know from the root Mm -hmm. from the from underlying. It's actually damaging the relationship.
0: So in what way can couple rituals help with building this trust, especially in romantic relationships?
1: Couple rituals create uh, emotional safety and a safe space for couples. Uh, I think, as you were saying earlier, relationships are effortful. They require nurturing. Always give this example, like, you know, think about an exotic plant that you might have from somewhere or ordered from overseas, and they're really... Raffles,
0: yeah. It's a Southeast Asian <laughs>
1: really? plant, uh flower, and
0: it's humongous, and it's kind of ugly, but that's <laughs> why exotic. I love it. It's like huge and orange and very wow. round and has yellow spots. It's kind of ugly, but that's the reason I love you it. You
1: need to send me a pick of It's that. also
0: very pungent. That's the word they use in, in science oh, to okay. describe strong smelling things. There and I learned about this. Maybe I
1: can quote that. Yeah. So yeah, Rafflesia. Yeah. Um that's my that's my exotic flower. Okay. Yeah. So think about that. It's like, you know, you've got that exotic flower and you know that, you know, it's amazing. You talk about it to your friends and you're so proud and you're happy. And you do care for it, right? Whatever it needs, you know, you weed, you take it out in the sun, you water it. And it's a pride of your place and you're so happy. But Slowly you get used to it being there and it's it's there the way that you know you are. It's like we reach homostasis, <laughs> it got adjusted in a way. And slowly you're caring less, less for, a little for it and you're expecting it to do what it needs to do and it's doing probably. But with time you're caring less and less. So it's not that you don't like it or love it any less. Mm-hmm. It's just that the effort is a bit less because it's, it's effortful. Again, you know, it takes time and it takes effort. Relationships are like that. We consciously choose to nurture it not because it's easy, it's because we want it in our lives and it is an important part of us, of who we are. Because it's not without us, it's within us. As I was saying, we are into this relationship, it matters. And I'm not getting love from my partner, I'm actually reciprocating. So we take the effort consciously to nurture that relationship by doing whatever it is. What may work from one couple may not work for another. So it's like, you know, we compare, we get into that zone. So we focus on our partner and ourselves, what's working for us and what's important there. So you're taking that effort to nurture and feel pride in the fact that I am taking that effort to nurture my relationship. Now, both partners doing the, the same is, is, you know, that works like magic. Even if it's hard, mm-hmm. even if one partner is doing, at least, you know, they can talk about it. Hey, I'm doing, you know, I felt like I need this too. So that creates a space for open feedback mm-hmm. with kindness and respect. Of course, we all, I'm not saying that it's always going to be like that. But what happens is the more connected we feel, the more safe we feel, we, uh, we have that emotional, you know, protective factor to know that even if we say something, give feedback, we would be safe. Mm-hmm. So it's a daily thing. It's not, you know, uh, you know at, at a specific time. So it's like that and it creates, and we, we are not even aware of it, We generally the world feels better, stresses feel lighter, don't react as much, and we would see that our moods are also improving. So a little thing that we are taking time to connect and to turn to a partner is actually improve, impacting our life and ourselves individually as well.
0: Yeah, and I suppose this could also be applied to friendships and other relationships as well maybe not to the same caliber um but for example if I just from whatever you've just mentioned to me I'm just thinking like oh that's how I treat a friend as well that I cherish in my life Mm -hmm. you know um and maybe I won't do it every day nor do I hope to move in with them at some (laughs) point (laughs) but um it is more or less Mm. the same um Technique. Technique is a weird way to describe how you're treating a friend.
1: Maybe um, strategy tool? Strategy the tool, way to be.
0: yeah. Um, something like that. Um, and I think not just friendships as well, like family. Like um, if I want. A more open relationship with my family for example um that's something that i might do like playing scrabble with my mom which helped with our relationship i don't know actually um like it helped when um i was losing and she wasn't so competitive but then <laughs> um afterwards that was just like not fun um <laughs> but it did help for us to spend time together during COVID. you know um and those sorts of things. Um, so that's how I see these couple this ritual mm-hmm. be reflected in other relationships as well. Um, and so are there any contributing factors couples should consider when incorporating trust building rituals into their relationship?
1: It's very significant what you said that all relationships need nurturing. And we consciously do that, of course, different levels. And, you know, we choose what's more prior uh, important and what's not. And um, any relationship being honest is very important. I know still the best policy. I would say it's not always easy. When I say honest, it's more about transparency. It's more about, you know, I am able to share what I'm feeling. Yeah. And you do that with respect and kindness, not just for your partner, but also for yourself, letting them know, hey. This is what I felt or, you know, babes, which I you know, babes. I always say, that babes, <laughs> what you said there didn't make sense. I wish we could you do that, actually. That was hurtful, you know, and we are being respectful. So we're not saying how, how dare or how can my partner do this? No, uh-huh. we can. It can happen. So when we are kind, actually, if you'll see, interestingly, what we expect from ourselves is what we start to expect from others. You know, and it, we are not even aware of it. I'm being hard on myself. I have to get this. I have to get this done. Inadvertently, I'm doing the same with my partners and in relationships too. whether it's at work or it's in, in the family. So when we are honest and transparent, it makes it easier. Not talking about you did that and you know I'm giving the feedback that you, 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 that becomes a bit mm-hmm. problematic. You say, I felt that and I was feeling this or I was feeling hurt or that didn't work for me. That creates a platform and open space for the couples to then talk about or repair or understand what's going where it's going and it's okay because we grow through relationships we grow into relationships and through them when we are stuck or we are in pain or we don't know where we're going that's the time because because we literally don't know and we are learning at that time because learning is painful it can be I say, painful in the form of effort mm-hmm. so we really don't know because there is no manual given to any relationship or any couple or there is no relationship perfect relationship guide for any particular relationship yeah. aspect here yeah? we all learn in I would say I always like to say we learn on the job mm-hmm. in a way because every two people are different you do learn on the job yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, these, uh, and turning to the person, respecting them, imagine if someone is talking to you and you are turned somewhere on the phone, or phone can be, just, now that's one of the things that phones become one of the topics of conflicts. i'm talking and you're always on the phone or you're always on the phone and i can't talk or when i'm talking you get on the phone Mm -hmm. so it's like you know you're choosing through when you're doing couples rituals you will consciously choose not to you know use your phone but also if we are cutting off when someone is talking we are not allowing you to say what you want to say or we're going on talking and not letting the other person speak all of these can indicate disrespect and disinterest Mm -hmm. and it can impact the relationship, no matter which relationship you are in.
0: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And I actually did hear from somewhere or someone that a good um, habit to practice is putting away your phone completely because when you have the phone out there even if it's switched off or on silent or something your body or your attention naturally gravitates to the phone screen mm-hmm. like from time to time so it might be a good idea to just put it away um and even if it's just for what like half an hour or an hour or something like that um yeah so in your experience what's Are some common mistakes that couples tend to make and should be mindful of when attempting to build trust through the rituals? How can they avoid these mistakes and ensure
1: that their efforts are effective and not all for loss? You know. (laughs) Thank you, Marie, again for the question. You're asking really interesting questions. You're really making me think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's important that couples remind themselves, why are they engaging in rituals? Why is the relationship important? Why are they doing what they're doing? Because it does happen in daily life, you know, we, things get in the way and that's the couples can put themselves at the end. Sometimes they feel guilty, you know, other things need more, you know, focus, chores need to be done. Kids need to be attended. And when you have, especially when you have little kids, things get in the way. So it's important that you remind what's the significance of why we're doing and why it's it's important to us and we we need that. However, if things happen, if you can't really get time, that's okay. And again, respect and kindness comes in as like, all right, we are not able to do that because we both are managing things as a team. So even if they are not able to spend time, they know that they are a team, they are bonded and they are taking care of life or things in their own ways but they are still together because they are the core of the family that they create if they have kids or you know or they don't they are the core and that if they are nurturing it the times when they can't they still know because again that's their protective factor and they respect that Mm -hmm. and if they are not enjoying the couple ritual let's say you know the common ones that you were talking about oh great let's just you know do this couple games and there are lots of couple games and questionnaires that you can find online but the other partner is not feeling okay or maybe they're not enjoying it as much or maybe they would like to do something else talking about is important when you respect yourself and when you respect your partner you are able to express to them and let them know how you're feeling The other partner then acknowledges that and doesn't make it about them. You know, like it's not about he or she, me or versus you. It's about, all right, it's not working for one person. Let's find out something else. Let's create our own couple rituals. So being honest, respectful and kind to yourself and to each other is very important because every couple is different. You know, the way they'll do things doesn't have to be the way that everyone is done. But what is important is you're turning towards each other you know, and uh, listening and respecting and validating that.
0: Um, are there any resources such as books, workshops or online platforms that you recommend to couples that might be interested in trying out these trust building rituals, um, and how can they access further guidance and support in this area?
1: Thank you, Marie. I would love to share what has worked for my clients and uh, you know, people can um have a read-through and see what works for them. They can jump on the Gottman Institute website. Uh, uh, Doctors John and Julie have done their research on couples for decades, and there's heaps of resources there. There are webinars, events, even courses for them, there are quizzes and assessments. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, we'll link that in the show notes. Yeah, and lots of books and stuff that they can read, and you know they can themselves sign up and do it as mm-hmm. couples. And um, Esther Perel's uh, website also has lots of resources and articles on relationship intelligence and how to navigate through relationships I particularly find I recommend it a lot to my um, clients uh, a book by Dr. Uh, Russ Harris on act with love so this is especially uh, helpful for insightful for uh, clients going through you know challenging relationships and accepting how it is and navigating through that and Dr. Sue Johnson's resources on emotionally focused couples therapy is also very helpful they can jump on my website or give me a call if they want to have a chat Thank you so much
0: for that, Ruhi.
1: Um, now we're moving
0: on to the practice slash habits section. And this is where I'll ask you some questions about the everyday application of what you have shared. Um, what is a practice that you would do to improve trust and communication in your romantic relationship?
1: Thanks, Marie. Um It's quite significant. I believe that uh, having chats is important. Little chats, big chats, you know. Yeah having weekend chats, but everyday life, you know, you're connecting yeah. through that. But also, however much it's important for us to express, it's also important that we listen. Sometimes we may not have, you know, something as urgent as we want to say May partner have. It's important that we pause and listen there. So we consciously, again, slowing down to turning your attention to a partner and what they're saying. Okay. It's important to build trust. Again, it indicates that we are there and we are listening.
0: Mm-hmm. So in sum, we have the daily chats, DC, and the the long chats, hot to hots. <laughs> H2H, that's how we can put it. That's easy to remember, DC, H2H, and then you can bring it up to your partner, like, hey, do you want a DC or do you have time for a H2H right now? That's very how, interesting yeah, and funny. How I fun find is that? Yeah. You love your acronyms, yeah. don't you? I yeah, do love my acronyms. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they just make things a bit more fun. Yeah, they do. Um, so what are three good things about this practice?
1: It's, uh, as you said, builds trust. Yeah. And it builds safe connections makes me feel uh, connected to my partner and it also helps us grow together mm-hmm. you know because we are changing and when we are having connections and we are chatting and we are opening up we're growing together and we are more in tune how we're growing and it's not just about things in our career or in relationships or you know uh, but as people in our thoughts and emotions as yeah. well we are changing You know, so one partner may have loved coffee and they don't know anymore and they Mm -hmm. can say in passing. But if you know the thought process, oh, because I think coffee coffee gives me gas or Mm -hmm. maybe not great for my sleep. So that way, you know that maybe that's how my partner is growing. It's nothing you will do about it. It's more about knowledge. I think the um, Gottman's call it the love maps. You get to know your partner more. So Ah. this helps
0: that's yeah. interesting. Um, and are there any challenges to this practice? Actually, there are several challenges there. Lack of time? Ooh, no, keep going. Yeah, <laughs> so, tell us yeah. all of
1: the challenges. So I was talking literally lack of time in day-to-day life. You yeah. have to go do this, 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 scripts, yeah. and, uh, you know, these things, programs can get in our life. We have to go to finish this, get dinner, put, you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. So it's understandable. Mm-hmm. Especially when you have younger children, it can be uh, difficult. But... Just do it when you can. Mm-hmm. Keeping it a bit flexible is important as long as we know that the moment we get the time we can do it. The other times can be external stresses, something you're going through, you know, big events, even positive events like weddings, you know, childbirth, mm-hmm. holidays, they all can get in the way of what we actually want to do, you know overall meaning of life. It can uh, be a bit of an obstruction. Um, also when you when we feel confused, we feel we don't understand. Or, you know, there is a disagreement, difference of opinion. We both are not liking and we feel that it's not working out.
0: Or if there's some kind of disconnect. Yes.
1: So, you know, I've written uh, on my website, on my blogs about how, you know, uh, disagreements can look like my partner doesn't care for me. So there can be confusion because we're feeling hurt. And in that moment, we are getting into our own selves where we're wanting to feel better. So that can, our own internal feelings and emotions can get in the way as well.
0: And how do you think this practice would impact um, your relationship or perception in life?
1: When we have safety in relationships, in the most important relationship with a with partner, it actually changes the perspective. The way you see the world, you know, it's very different. You know, we all know about this uh, commonly portrayed in media, like when you're in love, everything looks colorful and vibrant. Even rain looks lo- looks beautiful, right? It's something like that, but on a different way. You feel safe. Mm-hmm so even if there is a hardship or a challenge in life you don't you feel more equipped mm-hmm. you feel you have the capacity the resilience to be able to overcome that or to face that together yeah.
0: yeah so based on your experience do you have any other recommendations of um such practices that can be combined with this practice i
1: always um encourage my clients to you know sort of have an agenda mm-hmm. as well you know especially yes. for it feels yes. like it's a formal kind of a corporate thing, <laughs> but I think having an agenda, documenting your feelings, knowing, um, you know, putting all the questions, if you have, if you're curious, using curiosity, not as to question, you know, it's like, I'm curious you did that, or you said that. So again, you're using elements of kindness and respect, but you're being curious, you're documenting your thoughts to come up later and having an agenda, okay, maybe this week looks like that. You can, you know, have the longer conversations on the weekend and say, hey, how does our week look like? So yes. love babes, bus of parties, <laughs> stuff, you know, working late, all right, cool. That's all right, too. But when are the days we can sit, you know, have a mm-hmm. long, cook, uh, uh, short, as you said, DC, was that DC, daily,
0: daily chats. There you go. And heart to heart, H2H. Yeah.
1: So when in the heart to heart, in the H2H, you can talk about DC. Yeah. Where can we fit that in? Knowing mm-hmm. that we want to have even a 10, 15 minute check-in, yeah. you know, and talking about that. And sometimes you just talk as you go. Maybe you're cooking, putting a meal together you're talking normally we'll see we are so stressed you know it's like a second shift begins you finish work and you come back home and then you're doing all of this there's frustration and there's resentment why didn't you help me and i have to do this and but if we are in this together somehow we know we've connected we don't feel like you know as if you're doing it parallelly or against it feels like even if we are washing dishes or loading the dishwasher we're doing it together and that can be a ritual is like oh we connect while Mm -hmm. we're doing chores Mm -hmm. you will think oh wow can't be a couple's ritual, but it is a form of connection and you can just incorporate and go as you do.
0: Absolutely. And I don't know if this goes the same for everyone, but I cannot rely on my memory. I cannot, like I need to have things written down. So what I've been doing lately is actually creating meeting agendas for the, like with the person I'm seeing, because neither of us have a good memory. Um, And it's been really, really good and helpful. And we do this like in a very professional looking manner because it's kind of funny to do that. That's right. But maybe not everyone thinks that it's fun. So that might not apply to you. But if you find it funny, you can give it a try. Maybe it will help.
1: It's, Um, It's interesting because you know what you said, sometimes I've noticed that when you said documenting, and and I said, do you document your thoughts and then just, you know, let's bring it in the session and we can explore that. There would be a list of complaints. <laughs> so what I mean, and it's happening to them and they are struggling really. And I can see the pain that they've gone through that. But when the partner sees that, it feels like they're not doing enough because they're going through pain as well. And this is especially when you are, Ch- uh, struggling or you know finding it challenging to express and you know so it's important that you document how you felt and take ownership so taking yeah. accountability is very important you own what you do so when you take accountability the other person doesn't have the responsibility to hold you responsible or remind yeah. you Hey, you need to yeah. do that i want to do it and i'll take yeah the meeting agenda isn't for you, you to you're complain it, you it's
0: like <laughs> i just like that's not a place for you to complain there's a place where you'd be like i want to talk about how i'm feeling about this certain thing not to be like you didn't do the dishes <laughs> you been doing how that for a week. how i'm feeling about you didn't do the dishes yeah.
1: it's more about yeah it's uh, more like i me what i felt and tell me what was going on for yeah. you yeah
0: now we're moving on to questions from the audience um our first question is, what advice would you give for couples on rebuilding trust after a breach or betrayal of sorts?
1: It's it's very significant and it's it takes time. Building trust will take time because uh, you want to correct the experience now because it has been damaged. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is a reason and motive behind choices, and most of it is coming from various places and emotionally, you know, uh, vulnerable places. But trust will not be built the way that you know we we feel like we we'll go want to go back. But it's like going forward. There is always a little bit of um, you know space for you to get hurt. It can never be hundred percent. But what is important is that you both are being there for you to be present for both partners to be there. The one who's been hurt, they're taking time to heal through the pain, and the one whose choices have hurt their partner are there with them to let them know, hey, I'm there, even when you are hurting and I can't change that, I am feeling the pain because it's embarrassing, it's hurtful, and I'm feeling all of it, but I'm there and I'm not going away to immediately soothe myself.
0: And how can couples balance the need for transparency and privacy when it comes to building trust in relationships?
1: It's very important. The boundaries are there. They're very important. It's not just physical boundaries. It's emotional boundaries as well. Uh, transparency is very important in relationships. But sometimes you, uh, you know, assess what's, what's it that you don't want to say. It's damaging to the relationship. That itself is it's telling you whether it's important that you tell them or not. Maybe it does, but in what way? Because it's not a, you know, a set standard. What in the way that it'll damage the relationship if they say, and how will it damage if they don't say? It's not an easy answer. Mm -hmm. And you have to assess that for yourself. How much of it you want to be open? You can choose to do that. But then you also know that if you don't open, what may happen? So it's really up to you. And as individuals, we have the autonomy to choose. But any choice is not without their pros and cons. Now it will be up to the individual to decide or to, you know, ultimately choose which is better. It's not one is good or bad. It's about two difficult situations. Which one makes more sense to me now? Mm -hmm. And what advice
0: do you have for couples who might feel that their relationship has become too routine or predictable? And how can they keep the rituals feeling fresh and meaningful?
1: so it's important that they uh you know reassess it and maybe it's bo- become boring and maybe they think that the uh, ritual of connection is becoming a bit of a task so they can bring some excitement by doing different things by connecting in a different way mm-hmm. you know and uh, it can become boring when you're not enjoying so that's where the openness comes in it's like hey i'm not finding it very uh, you know entertaining or engaging but then again it takes back to what's happening there. What's not, you know, are you not engaged completely or is difficult for you? That again calls for your H2H conversations <laughs> where you open up and say, hey, we are doing these couple <laughs> rituals, CRs or DCs <laughs> over the week, but somehow I'm not engaging or it's, it's, you know, it's becoming boring for me. That conversation and, and listening and mm-hmm. respecting and holding the space for what your partner is feeling is very significant. And if they do that, they're already uh, excited and and there's anticipation that we're going to be spending time, how you're connecting with each other. Maybe sometimes the feelings uh, can be feel jaded because of life and everything else. So maybe you're tired. You need a a bit of a break. So all of these with the openness and transparency can keep going. It's not linear. It's actually cyclical. You keep doing it with repetition and come back to it and do something different. And again, look at it together and say what's going on. Let's make some changes. Yeah.
0: And maybe you can do DCs or H2H without, like with a twist, you know, do like a, um well, we can do H2H, um, we can try doing H2H without using the letter E. Maybe that will make it interesting, you know, or like... Look, I'm just trying my best. Yeah, I know you are, but it's very important what you said there. I know
1: we haven't talked about intimacy, yeah, but emotional and physical intimacy is very important. So, you know, everything that we are doing is either adding to it or taking away from it. Yeah. But I think that'll be for another day. Yeah. And yeah. you will see that this connection builds the intimacy, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone uh, feels intimate in different ways. And all of that can feed into what we're already feeling. So there you go.
0: Thank you so much for answering my questions, Ruhi. Now we're moving on to the open mic section, and this is your opportunity to talk about whatever you're passionate about, and it doesn't have to be related to the topic at all. So take it away. The floor is yours.
1: Thank you so much, Marie. Is it very uh, predictable of me to say that I'm passionate about relationships? Predictable,
0: kind of, but understandable. It, okay. It's understandable still.
1: I am definitely passionate about watching horror movies and watching anything with mystery suspense and murder mysteries, definitely. But that's again very predictable. But nothing wrong with that, predictable. <laughs> yeah. From wanting to be an investigative journalist to wanting to be an investigator of emotions and mine it's a journey that I've come across, uh, you know, I think I've traveled far, what I have realized, and uh, what's important for me is, I know, as I was saying earlier, we are in relationship with everything. It's our, you know, ourselves, that's the first relationship. But the relationship that we built with ourselves is based on a template of when our parents build that relationship with us. And then what the relationship we have with us is actually manifest into our relationship with everyone else. Yeah. So relationships are important. What I am very passionate about is respect, understanding, listening to each other, being very kind. Doesn't matter who your partner is, who your friend is, who the world in general is. There's always a story behind. And I'm curious to know that story, to learn who you are, because I'm being selfish here. I'm learning a lot through learning you, through learning the you know, about others. And and it's not from a place of, oh you know, I'm just in the background and I will only learn about you, I will open up, I will be vulnerable, I will be vulnerable in friendships, I will be vulnerable in relationships, and I will tell you what I'm feeling. And that mean that it might mean that it, I'll get hurt, I have an opportunity, yes, not because someone will hurt me, it, it's, an, it's normal that we will, that everyone is different, but my passion is very much centered on the core of, you know, connection and listening to each other with respect and being kind and really being there for someone if you can. And if you're not being honest and saying, Hey, you know, this works for me, or this doesn't, but when you are kind to yourself and when you are respectful, you will see that you give that to others as well. So for me, it's like, yeah, maybe that person isn't there where you are. We all are in different spots in the journey of life. And we all are coming from different places. You know, we've all traveled very far and different, in different ways. We all have stories to tell. Everyone is as important as everyone else's as you are. So no one is less or more. It's unfortunate that, you know, rudeness and arrogance gets me a little bit. It's like, oh, but even when that happens, I'm like, okay, there is a reason why they are being, maybe they're not ready for this. They will take their time. They are in a different spot in their life journey. Yeah. So respect for everyone is very important, right? From the time when a child is born, to wherever we are at whatever stage in our life.
0: Sometimes the way it's just the way they speak. It could just be their tone and something that we have to kind of get to know a bit better before thinking like, oh, this person has arrogance or anything like that. Um, But yeah, that's fantastic. Um, Great that you brought that up.
1: I'm sorry I'm cutting you off. But you said something um, I'm equally passionate about is talking politely and nicely with a smile. Use humor where you can, where it's safe but always being polite mm-hmm. and uh with a smile making eye contact being humble and knowing that every word we say every every move we make you know it sounds like the song but but um <laughs> it's actually it's actually very impactful mm-hmm. it's going out in the universe it's it's being observed and received by others we are either building or it's chipping away. Yeah. You're really good at making eye contact as yeah. well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel like you're staring into my soul oh. and like with your voice, it's very, it's very like soft and soothing. Thank and I'm you. Just like, I feel like I'm in some sort of session right now. Oh. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored to be here and talking to you and your presence is calming. I think.
0: Oh, thank you. That's why. I,
1: barely get that I
0: always get like the opposite of calming like I'm seeing the calming side of you you. I think it's it's making me calm and connect with you more yeah that's great (laughs) (laughs) no I mean it really all right um thank you Ruhi for joining us today if our listeners want to find out more about you and what you do where can they go
1: Thank you, Marie. It was so much pleasure. I didn't realize I will have so much fun with you. (laughs) Likewise. And I learned a lot. I hope my audience find value in uh, what I shared and they can reach me uh, via my website, connectwithcounseling.com.au. They can jump on there. I've got my uh, contact there or email and they can write to me.
0: Amazing. That's connectwithcounseling.com.au. We'll link it in the show notes uh, along with her social media. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We hope you've learned a little bit more about what couple routines are and how they work. And we'll catch you in the next episode. You've been listening to Veloscope, the Relationship Science Insights Podcast, produced by LMSL, the Live Management Science Labs. For more episodes like this from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it and subscribing to our channel as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at re.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Marie Stella, thanks for tuning in.